0: So there is a special love, a special type of preciousness that the Son has to the Father in the context of what the Son does as mediator for the people that God wants to adopt unto Himself as His own people. Which he has made us accepted in the beloved, or in which he has made us precious in the beloved. Okay, so our ESV has this a little bit differently. In which he has blessed us in the beloved. Now the word for blessed, we talked about that way back in verse three. Blessed be the God and Father, right? That's a totally different word. That remember, if you remember, that's the word that we get our word eulogy from, or eulogize. This is a totally different word that shows up here in verse six in which he has, uh, in fact, this is the only place in the scriptures that this shows up. The root of the word is the, is the, the root of grace, charis. So the word is built out of the word for grace. And then added to that is the prefix ek, which means out of. So it's a, it, it's not an easy word to translate, but it means something, something much closer much more specific, let me say it this way, much more specific than just bless. It means to make us, here's here's, I think probably the best translation, to make us dear. Not D-E-E-R, but D-E-A-R. To make us dear. To the praise of His glorious grace, or to the praise of the glory of His grace, in which or by which He has made us dear, in which he has made us precious. Or, an acceptable translation is the King James, in which he has made us accepted. But I think it's far stronger than that. Far stronger than just being accepted. So the tense of the verb, it's in the... the, um, The the verb tells us very clearly who does the action here. God is doing the making of us accepted, which is yet another place where we see that Paul can't be talking about God looking out across history and seeing who would believe in him. Instead, God does the acting. God is the one who made us acceptable. And so he has made us acceptable in the beloved, or again, really the idea is he's made us dear. He hasn't just made us acceptable where God can now be in the same room with us. It's not like we smelled really bad and God gave us a bath and some deodorant and now we don't stink so bad so God can be in the same room with us. He made us precious. He made us dear to His heart. And He did this in the Beloved. So first let's think about the Beloved. So, what is about every four or five words Paul goes back to the same idea through Jesus, in him, in the beloved, in Christ, over and over and over again. Everything that Paul says, Paul says to us happened in Jesus or through Jesus. Here he says in the beloved. It's interesting that he says in the beloved instead of in Jesus or in Christ or in Christ Jesus or in him. He says in the beloved. When we look to Jesus, when he is called the beloved, Jesus is called the beloved on a few occasions. He's called the Beloved when the voice speaks from heaven at his baptism. This is my beloved son whom I'm well pleased. He's also called the Beloved from the voice in heaven on the Mount of Transfiguration. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. He is also called Beloved in a roundabout sort of way when Jesus tells the parable of the workers in the vineyard. Remember that parable? They were or not the workers in the vineyard, but the, the parable of the tenants, the wicked tenants who were renting the vineyard and they wouldn't pay rent. They wouldn't they wouldn't give the, the fruit of the land. And the owner of the vineyard kept sending people, sending messengers to say, you need to pay your rent. You need to pay your rent. Finally, the owner of the vineyard said, I will send my beloved son. And in that parable, Jesus is the beloved son, of course. So Jesus is called beloved a number of times. And every time Jesus is called beloved, He is called beloved in the specific context of His role as mediator. As He is entering the baptismal waters, He is identifying with those whom He will mediate for. He is identifying with sinners that need this baptism of forgiveness. As He's on the Mount of Transfiguration, He's identified there, Moses and Elijah, He is the mediator. As uh, the voice speaks from heaven, he is the mediator, as he is the beloved son that's sent to collect the rent, he is the mediator. In fact, Jesus himself will say uh, in uh, Matthew three verse seventeen, that was the voice from heaven, but this is my beloved son. Jesus himself will say in John ten verse seventeen, "For this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again so there's there is this connection between jesus Jesus's special belovedness by the Father. And his role as mediator. Remember last time we said, we talked about this glory that Jesus said that he had from the foundation of the world, and that was the glory as the mediator. So there is a special love, a special type of, of connection, a special type of preciousness that the Son has to the Father in the context of what the Son does as mediator for the people that God wants to adopt unto himself as his own people. In some special profound way, God looks upon his son as the mediator who lays down his life so that his people may be adopted unto him. And God has a special burning love for his son as mediator. And it is in that context here that Paul says, not surprisingly, in the context of our adoption unto sons, that. This has taken place for the praise of the glory of His grace in which He has made us dear or made us precious in the beloved. Look at Romans 8, verse 31 and 32. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not all how will he not freely give us all things? if God looks down upon the Father and when we are put into the beloved, God has this special love that burns for his son in the role of his son's mediator or in the role that his son's going to take as mediator, and then we are put into that mediator, put into union with that mediator from the before the foundation of the world, how then? Will it matter what the world thinks of us? How will it matter what the world takes from us? How will it really matter how the world treats us? If we are in the beloved. And the beloved is specifically said to us here just to accentuate to us the burning love of the father for the son and the father's. Deep desire from before the foundation of the world to have a people unto himself to satisfy his fatherly desires, to satisfy his fatherly heart. And his plan for us is to give to us the full nature of our elder brother so that we are fully and totally happy for eternity and we fully enjoy him for eternity. And we praise Him, giving ourselves the greatest level of gladness and happiness, giving Him the greatest gladness and happiness, and we spend eternity in this way. What does it matter? What this world says about us, or does to us, or takes from us, or cheats us out of. If this is why we were made, and we have a short 60, 70, 80 years here in this life, then what does anything matter? outside of our father and the beloved one who came as our mediator this is a glorious section of scripture that no child of god should ever put down without doing exactly what paul is doing here worshiping the father this can you see how how this is driving paul's worship this is what he's doing here he's worshiping the father and these are the things that are flowing through his mind and flowing out of his heart as he gives unto the Father the most profound worship that he can.